Uh, Pastor Rob mentioned this morning um, that you could, if you were first time here and you got maple syrup given to you, that you could pour it all over your turkey. And some of us went, ew, that's gross. But I just want you to know, you don't have to wait for pancakes, okay? I just checked with Jeff and I said, did you turn on the crock pot before you left this morning? And he said, yes, I did. And in our crock pot, there is a ham, my friends, drenched in maple syrup. So you could do that with your maple syrup if you want to, uh, because it is probably the godliest of foods, I think. I, I think that's sound theology right there. Uh, if you have your, your phone or your um, tablet, you want to open up the Evangel app, and you can follow along with what we're going to be talking about today as we look in Scripture. You can also see the various announcements and the things that you just heard. You can also take notes, by the way, in that app and uh, for yourself if you want to. Just follow along with all that we're doing. So... Oh, it was so awkward. Ah, it was infuriating. Really? It was, it was just, they just couldn't believe it happened. I mean, you would think that after three years of traveling together, they could have things working a little better now, by now. Because how hard can it be? It's not that hard to set up a dinner plan, after all, for a group of people. There's, you, just, you just get a, a, you get a room, you get a space, you set the menu, you make sure that there's enough staff, enough people to, to serve all the ones that are coming. It's not that complicated, and they've been doing this for three years. And, and whose responsibility had it been anyway? I mean, nobody, nobody could remember, but they were pretty sure it wasn't them. It was somebody else's job to make sure that this was looked after properly. And you could feel these little vibes as they all walked into the room that had been reserved for dinner. You could feel these little vibes of one person going, are you kidding me? Did you not specify when you booked this place? And there's this returning glare that just goes, well, I would have assumed that it would have been a given when I booked it. And then somebody else just shakes their head and goes, oh, and they, the silent, you know, well, you know what happens when you assume. And the rest of the group is looking around and they're cringing and they're trying to be cheerful about it and they're walking in going, ugh. And then they go, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I mean, I know it's a meal, but cleanliness is overrated, right? And our mothers aren't here, so it'll be. And everybody's trying to pretend that not to notice that somebody forgot to hire somebody to take care of, you know, the feet. The feet. Because the feet are disgusting. Their feet are gross. And you can't, you can't sit at a nice dinner table with feet like that. These people have been walking all day on dusty roads with open sandals. And let's just hope that they only have dust on their feet. Because let's face it, I mean, if we're really going to be honest, there's animals walking on that road as well. And those animals are also, you know, leaving dust all over the place. And they just walked through all of that. Ugh, it's just, it's so gross. 
So they, they walk into this reserved room, and it's decorated properly, and, and dinner's there, and it's ready to go, and they got the, the fancy china, you know, the really good dishes, and, and, and everything smells so good, at least the food smells so good, but it's so awkward with the, with the feet because it's so gross. It's like walking in to Thanksgiving dinner, having worked all day on a backed-up sewer, with nowhere to wash your hands, okay? It's, and they've arrived now for this meal, and there's nobody to wash their feet. And, and thank you very much, nobody's going to do that job. Nobody's taking that job. It's disgusting, and they're not going to volunteer to do it. It's menial. It's degrading. It would be humiliating to do that kind of thing, and none of them are going to do it. And somebody should definitely have taken care of this, but nobody did. And so here we are. I guess we'll just try to tuck our disgusting, filthy, gross feet under the table, and hopefully no one will notice, and even though we all can smell them, and it'll be fine, and we'll just try to enjoy our Passover meal together. And Jesus looked around at the group that was there who are, you know, holding their hands to their noses and they're all glaring at each other and silently blaming each other and says, so he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe and put on an apron. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. Oh my gosh, it's so wrong. It's so, it's so awkward. It's, it's absolutely horrifying. I mean, somebody should be doing this. Somebody should be looking after the feet, but not Jesus. He's the leader in the room. He's the rabbi. He's the teacher. He's the one they're all supposed to be serving. And now he's the one doing it and he's doing it as if it's normal. He's not even giving a, you know, a look to the person that should have been doing it. And they're all trying to figure out who that was. And he's not even doing like the passive aggressive thing that says, I want you to know I forgive your complete and utter failure to have somebody ready to wash the feet. And I I will do it because I'm not important. You don't need to worry about me. He's not even doing that. He's just just going around washing them. And Peter, like he can't take it. And he's always the person that blurts something out. And so when he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, Master, you wash my feet and he's he's pulling his feet away like no you can't he's trying to have some dignity Jesus you got to get up and Jesus answered you don't understand now what I'm doing but it'll be clear enough to you later and after he had finished washing their feet he took his robe put it back on and went back to his place at the table and they're not even breathing I mean they are so upset they're so embarrassed. They're, they're just, oh, they're just stunned. And then he said, do you understand what I've done to you? Uh, you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so, by the way. That's what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, wash your feet, you must now watch, wash each other's feet. And they're like, what? And Jesus goes, yeah, I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. 
A servant is not ranked above his master, and an employee doesn't give orders to the, to the employer. If I wash feet, you wash feet. If I'm the one that's going to do this task, then you also do that task. There is no task, Jesus is saying, that is so low that I would not stoop to do it. And by the way, you are not more important than me. And you are not more important than any of the others. And so you, if I serve, you serve. And this is maybe when he's telling them this and he's trying to explain it to them and help them understand. That's maybe when they remembered a conversation that, that he had had with them earlier, maybe, maybe a few days before, maybe a few weeks before. I'm not really sure. But they had been having, I mean, later it looked like it was a little argument, but they didn't mean it to be an argument. It was just a conversation, and it was all very dignified and appropriate, but they just needed some information, and they had been having this conversation, the 12 disciples among them, and and trying to find out from Jesus, because, you know, he's going to establish a kingdom or something, and there's 12 of them, and the question was kind of, um, Jesus, so listen, when this all gets set up, who is going to be highest on, you know, the ladder of status? Who's going to be on the... And then they realized that came out wrong. So, well, I mean, not that... Oh, it's not about who's most important. But, but who, um, who will have the decision-making power? Who, Jesus, is... Um, now, I, I, you know, we're just asking humbly, of course, it's an honor just to be nominated. But who's going to be at the top you know, at the, the one that's the most important. Who definitely will never, ever, ever have to do something like wash somebody's feet? This is the question that they had been asking Jesus sometime before. And when that came out, Jesus didn't waste any time. He wasn't having any nonsense like that. And he, and he just nips it right in the bud before it goes any bigger. And it, and it says in Matthew 20, Jesus got them together to settle things down. And he said, you have observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man, that's he's referring to himself, that's what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not be served. And now they're remembering that conversation and here they are and he has just washed their feet and Jesus is going, do you understand yet? Do you understand what it is I've been telling you? I came to serve and guess what? You are also going to live a life that includes serving. It's, it's one of the rhythms that Jesus practiced. So, so we've been doing this, this series on Sunday mornings, and some of you have just dropped in today, and you don't even know what's going on, but we've been, we've been doing this series called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and, and we pulled the phrase from uh, some words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, and he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And there's, there's three W's here, like www. I don't know if you noticed that. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly. And this, so we've been calling this the unforced rhythms of grace and just living like Jesus lived. Really, it's just code for, you know, spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. How we walk out our faith in, in just everyday life. What it is that shapes us, that helps us to grow. Because our faith is, as Christians is about much more than just going after spiritual highs or big experiences. And it's also much more than just, just managing sin. It's, it's about a day to day to day to day to day following Jesus and living like Jesus did and following these rhythms that he did. And so we've been talking about some of these unforced rhythms of grace. And so far, oh, they've just been so nice. I mean, they've just been so, we talked about silence and Sabbath and we're like, yeah right? And gratitude, which is kind of fun. We did that at the beginning of our service today. Uh, We talked about simplicity, just, you know, and it's just so beautiful. I can do this. I can walk with Jesus and work with Jesus and watch how how Jesus does it. It's going to be great. And then then we get to this, and apparently how Jesus does it is he serves. Mm. He serves, get this, when he's the leader. He serves when it's not his job. He serves when it's not fair. Jesus serves when it's a gross or unpleasant task. He serves because it needs to be done. And and I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all the stories of Jesus, and I have looked because I I would like a way out of this sometimes. But there is nowhere where Jesus goes, oh, I'm sorry, I can't serve in that area because it's not my gifting. Never says that. He just, he just does it. He just serves and then looks at his disciples and goes, yeah, so you should do the same. Live a lifestyle of serving. And apparently, serving is one of those unforced rhythms of grace. It's one of those things that's going to shape us. It's one of those things that we need to be practicing in our lives, that we need to make kind of a lifestyle thing. Some of us would like very much to opt out of it. And, and the rest of us are going, well, it's about time you said something practical because you think you're the one doing all the serving around here, right? But uh, just so you know, either way, serving doesn't appear to be an available option, not serving. It's not, it's not optional to, to serve in the life of faith. So we're going to talk today about serving, and it's probably going to be a little bit practical, and you're probably going to get uncomfortable. So turn the person beside you and go, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. Go ahead. Tell them. Okay. Try not to elbow each other as we go through this, okay? So, so first, what's the heart behind serving, behind this, this spiritual practice or this rhythm of serving? What's the heart behind, behind it? And it's incredible how fast we can, we can, you know, go around this. It's already happened mentally in some, of, in some of your minds. It's already happening. I could see it on your face, and also I just, I know what happens in my own brain. Some of us have gone, oh, serving. Well, I just, I know... I can't do that because I'm practicing self-care right now. And others of us are going, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me i got to serve? My whole job is serving. I, I work in a restaurant or I work in retail or I pick up garbage and I just, I serve all the time. Could you lay off the serving? And then somebody else is going, well, you know, I just, I have a, a bone to pick with Jesus about this whole serving thing because somebody did drop the ball at that Passover dinner and they were never held accountable. And people need to be held accountable for their choices. You can't just serve and cover up everything they're doing. So I understand what's happening in some of our brains right now because it happens in mine too. 
So I, I want to first acknowledge, and I just want to say this out loud, and we're going we're gonna to acknowledge things and move them to the side, okay? We're going to acknowledge, first of all, there's never a single Sunday message that covers all the bases. It can't be done. I, I don't have, you know, 36 hours to stand up here and talk. I can't cover everything in one Sunday morning. This is one segment in one series on one Sunday. So, yes, if you become very unbalanced and the only thing you do in your faith is just serve, 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 serve all the time, serve all the people, all the things, all the time, and you never take a break, you are probably going to get off track. You're probably going to burn out. You're probably going to uh, maybe enable some, uh, somebody else's behavior. You're probably finding your worth in how much you do. And none of that is a good thing. So I just want to acknowledge, first of all, that yes, each of us, we do need to take care of ourselves as well. And you go, well, I'm glad you said that. Well, that's why I talked about Sabbath for so long the last few months. Hello. Okay? So we do need to do that. Also, I want to say that if you are in a situation where you are uh, forced to serve all the time because you're in, a, you're in some kind of a situation that is toxic or manipulative or abusive even, uh, you, don't, you don't need to stay. That's not what we're talking about today, okay? That is not what we're talking about. That's not healthy. That's not good. And we need to help you find a way to, to move out of that kind of a setting. And, and yes, I also want to acknowledge that sometimes people don't need to be served um, because they, they actually need not to be served for any number of reasons. For example, our children, right? If we, if we serve our children all the time for 20 years or however long until they, they're not going to grow up well. If they never have to take responsibility themselves, they never have to take consequences. If we just do everything for them all the time, they're going to grow up and still be a child in an adult's body. So there's times that we don't serve. Uh, sometimes if you're in a, in a workplace or you're in a work situation and you keep covering somebody else's job and serving them because they're not doing it and you actually aren't getting your own job done, well then you know, that's a bit of a problem as well. And, and experiencing consequences are a good way to learn. So I'm acknowledging all of those things. Are we okay with that? We're okay with that? Now we're going to move it to the side, okay? So I've acknowledged all that, and still, still, Jesus served. It wasn't fair that he had to wash their feet. It probably wasn't enjoyable or pleasant. It almost certainly was not the way that he had planned to begin this Passover supper. Nobody was held responsible that we know of. He could have asked somebody, he could have asked anybody in the room, hey, you know, I notice we're missing something. Maybe you could step up and do this. And they would have done it. They wouldn't have been happy about it, but they would have done it out of respect for Jesus. He could have asked somebody else to serve, and instead, Jesus washed their feet. He served them and then told them to do the same. And if anybody deserved to be served in that room on that night, it was Jesus. I mean, especially in this group where, where he's the teacher, he's the rabbi, he's the leader, he's the one calling the shots, he's the one that they're following. In that group, if there's anybody that deserved to be served, it was Jesus. And especially on that night. I mean, we could have seen Jesus, you know, serving in other times, but this is a special event. It's like, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving because it's Passover. But Jesus also knows what's coming. 
And he knows what he's about to put out for these people. And it could have been very easy and, and understandable for him to go, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out because the next 24 hours for me are going to be pretty tough because I'm actually going to die for these people. So maybe somebody else can do the foot washing. Maybe somebody else can help with that, which is just a really interesting thought because sometimes we, and by we I mean somebody else, certainly not you and not me, okay? But sometimes we are quite willing to serve under certain circumstances. You know, if we're feeling like we want to or we really really get along with the person being served and we go, I don't know, you know, I just had a great day today and the sun is out and I really love you, so I thought, you know what, what the heck, I'm going to serve you today. Sometimes we're happy to serve in that way. Sometimes we're quite willing to serve if it's a holiday and we want to do something special. Oh, it's Christmas, I'm going to take my children, we're going to go to a soup kitchen and we're going to volunteer there and help because that's what you do at Christmas. Sometimes we're willing to serve in circumstances like if we can see the results of, of, of our serving, look at everyone enjoying this meal that I worked so hard on, right? Or some of us, not you, other people, but we, we're willing to serve if we can serve the way we want to serve when we're ready to serve, right? Under those circumstances. And we, do, and we go, oh, I'm sorry, I don't do that task. I don't do the feet, I do the hands. Well, we've already got somebody to do the hands, nevertheless. This is what I do. Or, or we go, well, I, I'm sorry, I can't do this when you actually need it. But here's my schedule and, and when, we, when we can work this out. And so, or, or sometimes we're really happy to serve if people, none of us will admit it out loud, but it's true inside sometimes for almost all of us at some point. If people see that we're serving or they know that we're serving, you know, give credit where it's due. I don't mean to be rude, but I mean, if I'm going to serve, there should be a little a little thank you note, a little something to just say. And, and you've all gone very silent because clearly you're thinking of someone else, right? And Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, quoted um, another guy who said, you know, we would a hundred times rather make some great sacrifices to God, however violent and however painful, on condition that we be free to follow our taste and habits in every little detail. <laughs> Ouch. I remember um, as a teenager when I was in our youth group and, and somebody would come in and preach brilliant things. And, and I remember them asking us over and over again, would we be willing to die for Jesus? I mean, if, if push came to shove, if we really, are we, have we really given our life to Jesus, would we be willing to die for Jesus? And I remember as a teenager thinking, and I, I genuinely mean no disrespect and I'm not, I'm not invalidating anything. I remember going, thinking, you know, I, I, think, I think I would. I hope I would. I hope that I would be willing. If I had to, I hope I would be willing to, to die for my faith. But I also was really aware that that only happens once. And I thought, I think maybe the real question is, am I willing to live for Jesus day after day after day after day? after day, you know, doing, am I willing to do that? Because Jesus did not only die for his disciples. He lived for them and he served them. And, and, and then here's the context around the heart that was behind that right before the story that I just told you about him washing their feet. That story actually starts off with this statement. Jesus knew 
that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. Just pause there. Jesus knew that God the Father had put him in complete charge of what? Everything. All the things. Jesus knew that God had put him in charge of all the things. He also knew that he came from God and he was on his way back to God. So he got up from the supper table and served them. And then later you see um, the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, and he talks about this, and here's how he described it. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although he was God, he, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to, you know, to hang on to and go, ah, I'm God, so I don't have to do that. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and, and he took up the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So there's so much in there. We don't have time to unpack it all. But, but Jesus, the, the thing I want you to notice today is Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew who he was. And because of that knowledge... And because of the strength that comes from knowing who you are, from him knowing who he was, he was like, I don't have to hang on to my rights. I don't have to hang on to my preferences. I don't have to hang on to what's fair or appropriate. All that. Just giving up those things, his rights and his preferences and just, just serving, giving up those things in no way diminished his identity or who he was. He just, he just nothing could take that away. He... He was just absolutely free, absolutely undiminished, and free to serve. Ken Shigematsu, in the book that we've been telling you about that's for sale, The Resource Zone, he, he puts it like this. He says, because Jesus knew that he was loved and cherished by his father, he had the strength to give up his privilege, not his power, but his privilege as the most important person in the room. That's the heart behind serving. Now second, here's the second question. It's a short one. Who do we serve? Okay. Any guesses on what that answer is? Everyone. Everyone. We serve everyone. Now, now more probably, let me just bring it down home a little bit because we all serve somebody, right? But maybe serving those that we don't have to, those that we don't even think about, those that we don't even see. For example, um, if you're an employee or, or a staff member somewhere, you probably, your job probably in some way or another is to serve your manager or serve your boss or serve the client or serve whoever. But if we are the manager or we are the boss or we are the client looking for good customer service, how do we turn around and serve the people that are serving us? You know, how do we, and some of us go, well, I serve them by letting them know where they have failed. No, maybe the test is, do they feel like they're being served? <laughs> or do they feel like they're being micromanaged or corrected or that you're not letting go of something that you can, so you know, how, do we, how do we serve the people that serve us? We serve our friends when, when they need help. We, we all are likely to do that. There's people that each of us will drop anything for to go to help. But what about the neighbors that we don't really know all that well or even a stranger on the street? Probably could serve them too. 
Um, we serve our family, lots of us, because, you know, family it, it really matters, and for some of us, that's really it. And we serve, we look after family, but what about somebody without family? Because there's a lot of people in Montreal that don't have family here. Uh, they don't have anybody to call when they need something. So the who do we serve, that's a pretty straight up, you know, everybody, and maybe especially the ones that we don't think of. But the third question that we ask of how do we serve? I mean, if we're really going to get practical about how are we going to do that? And what I thought today was, you know, maybe, maybe, and maybe I'd like to hear what you think about this. Maybe we want to just all just take off our shoes right now and we'll bring in basins of water and we can all just wash each other's feet. How about, how about that? Right? Some of you are like, I am out of here. Okay. Just want you to know if we do that, I also am out of here. Okay, so because, because it, it, right now in this setting and in this place and this, that's not an act of service. That's a little bit, it feels a little bit weird, feels a bit uncomfortable. Uh, it may be actually really intrusive for some of us. So, so, we, so we're not going to just open up and, and wash each other's feet this morning so you can take a deep breath and relax. I'm not going to do that, right? But how do I know then? How do I serve? How do I know that I'm serving from the right heart? How do I not just uh, create a to-do list and be all self-righteous about it and go, well, there, check, I served on Monday. Now I don't have to serve anybody again until Tuesday. How do I instead cultivate a lifestyle of serving and make it one of these, these rhythms of grace, one of these spiritual practices that just is a thing, a, a way that I live and a way that I um, breathe and, and function in my, in my Christianity. How do I do an unforced rhythm of grace and make, make serving part of that? So Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, offers some suggestions for that. And he talks about the difference between self-righteous service and true service. And so I, I took some of it, I condensed it, I modified it, and I just, you know, maybe this will help us to understand. So, so self-righteous service comes from human effort. I made a list, this is who I've served, check, Monday's done, I'll wait until Tuesday. True service, uh, a lifestyle of service, uh, comes out of a relationship with God. And he talks about, you know, those moments when there's just this, this little whisper in your ear, this little nudge that goes, hey, you need to check in on this person. Hey, maybe help out with that. Hey, here's an idea. And it's just coming out, of, it's just a rhythm of coming out of a relationship with God. Um, Self-righteous service uh, becomes very impressed with, with the big deal right? The big, the huge ways to serve. Whereas true service or a lifestyle of service doesn't actually really distinguish between small and large ways to serve. It just welcomes any opportunity to serve. And he says, you know, the great virtues are, are a rare occurrence, but the ministry of small things is daily. The big stuff is just, it's just a few times, and it requires great sacrifice, but just for a moment. But the little things require constant sacrifice over and over again. So there's, there's that. Um, Self-righteous service needs external rewards. Yay. Good for you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wants people to see, wants people to appreciate and applaud. And, and whereas true service is content if, if it's just hidden. Now, that doesn't mean that, that therefore you just have to reject everything. Sometimes I thank people for something and they go, oh, no, no, don't thank me. No, I'm going to, right? And it, it's okay. To, it's fine with attention, but doesn't need it, doesn't seek it. All Just content to be hidden or whatever. Um, Self-righteous service, highly concerned with results. 
highly concerned with making sure that the results are there or that someone reciprocates, gives back what you've given them, or it's measurable. I can see that this was worth my effort, whereas true service or a lifestyle of service just, just delights in serving. It's not really counting the results, just happy to, happy to serve. Um, Self-righteous service, he says, picks and chooses who we're going to serve. And um, a lifestyle of service, we just serve anybody, uh, just whoever comes across our path. Um, this one, I've, I'm just kind of saying a little bit tongue-in-cheek. So self-righteous service um, is a little bit, they serve, serves when feeling led, right? Now, I'm saying that carefully because, you know, sometimes God does speak to us, and we already talked about that. God gives us a little nudge or a little, but sometimes it's really just our own mood or our own, you know, oh, I don't feel led to do that right now. And, and true service just serves because there's a need. People's feet are dirty. And, and it just serves faithfully and simply because there's a need. Um, self-righteous service, uh, he says, is temporary. It's a little check mark, and then you can go back to your real life. And whereas true service is a lifestyle. It's, a, it's just an ongoing, spontaneous, just jumping into action when you see a need and, and ready to help serve. Um, uh, uh, self-righteous service is insensitive, can be insensitive, in that it insists on meeting the need, even when to do so would be um, destructive. You know, just goes, no, I'm going to help. This is what I'm going to do for you. Well, that's not actually helpful, and it isn't what we need. It's actually going to cause problems. I'm doing this, right? And I'm going to do it now. And it can be a little bit sometimes insensitive, a little pushy, whereas true service is sensitive to actually saying what's needed. How can I help? Is there something that I can do? Actually, it would be better if you stayed out of it. Okay, I'm okay to do that. Can serve by, by staying out of something and can freely stand and just wait in silence. And the last one that he says is self-righteous service puts others into debt to you. They owe, they owe me because I did this for somebody else. And he talks about how that fractures community. It breaks community. It creates division in our community, even as a community of faith, because it centers in this one person and what they've done. And if they don't get it back, then it just, it brings, whereas true service just builds community, just, just quietly and unpretentiously goes about caring for the needs of others. Interesting, right? So, so let's try it. And right now you're like, seriously, are you going to bring in bowls of water? Do we have to wash each other's feet? No, 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 no. And actually, well, we can't just try it here. We can't just try serving here because even if we did, it would be such an artificial thing. Oh, go serve someone for the next three minutes. It would so be a check off, you know, it has nothing to do with our lifestyle. And there's some things that we do in this space on a Sunday morning that we try as an experiment so that you can have some idea of how to try it when you get home. But I couldn't figure out a way to do that in this space when it comes to serving. But here's what we can do this morning, okay? We can invite God to start speaking to us and to show us and help us see how can we live a life that involves and that includes serving. Because most of us don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to not serve anybody today. We don't do that. We don't mean to not live a life of serving. It's just that our default is to look after our own stuff first. And, and, and establishing a rhythm of serving or, or just saying, this is how I'm going to choose to live, 
is probably going to um, require some intentionality. And it's probably going to mean that we have to we have to pay attention a little bit. So I'm going to invite you to just, just consider yourself. So you can, if you want, pull out a pen and paper or your phone. You can just write down what comes to you. You can close your eyes if you want to. But I want you to just pause for a moment and just on your own, try, try thinking through this, this exercise. Let's think about this idea of serving. And I want you, first of all, to consider um, who, as you look at the coming week, as you look at this afternoon and then tomorrow, and Tuesday, who is going to cross your path? Who are you going to have interaction with today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Who, who is it that's going to cross my path? And it might be it might be a family member, might be a friend, might be a, might be a colleague. It might be somebody we actually don't know very well, but we do cross paths with them pretty frequently. Might be my, my prof or my student. Might be an assistant, someone that usually serves me. It might be um, somebody in a specific situation. They maybe have a new baby or they're sick, or they just had surgery, or they're moving, or their car broke down, or their spouse is away, and they need, who, who is going to cross my path this week? And let God just drop some of that into your mind. And then ask God the question, God, how can I serve that person? can I do this week to serve them? How can I notice what I often miss? And how can I pause and see the needs that are in front of me and establish a, a practice, a rhythm of just serving, seeing the needs and serving? God, for some of us, we actually don't even see those those moments and we need your help to see them help us to do that and maybe it means something like we just pray a simple prayer every day this week we wake up in the morning and we just go Lord would you show me somebody today that I can serve what if each of us prayed that every morning this week Lord Show me somebody today that I can serve. God, shape us with this rhythm of serving. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And can I just encourage you? You don't have to do it now. But if you know somebody here or you, you're sitting with somebody that you sort of know, could I just say, you know, before we finish today, maybe turn to somebody and go, you know, I thought of this person and maybe I can do that. And tell each other because it helps to spur us on. It helps to encourage us and hear the ideas that are happening and go, you know, I thought of, I think I could serve this person doing that. But God, at this moment... We close our service as we do every Sunday morning, knowing that we don't leave you here when we leave. We carry you with us 
And you have spoken to us. You have encouraged us. We have worshipped you and thanked you. And now, God, we want to go out into our world and we want to carry Jesus well into all the spaces we're going. And for some of us, it's family Thanksgiving dinner. Some of us, it's friends Thanksgiving dinner. Some of us, it's our work. We're going to work this afternoon. Some of us are going to school classes. We're going to, you know, whatever situation it is that we're going to. And we're asking God, would you help us as we walk out of here? Help us not to ever, ever leave you behind. Help us not to leave God in this space, but help us to carry Jesus with us and to do good out there. I mean, just do good over and over again because it's part of the rhythm of what we do. Would you help us to love each other? And would you help us, oh God, to reveal Jesus to a world that really needs you? And God, we ask that you would do this and you would help us to do this with your incredible grace and mercy, that you would walk us through this week And you would help us, God, to come back safely next Sunday with some new stories of you at work in our lives and even how we've learned to serve just a little bit more. And we're trusting you to shape us. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to receive prayer this morning, there are uh, ministry team people at the different stations throughout the sanctuary. They'd be happy to chat with you or pray with you. Meanwhile, make sure you say hi to somebody. Tell them what you thought of, who you can serve. Get yourself a coffee, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Happy Thanksgiving.